you. Welcome back to our summer series called Flip Flops. Uh, Someone said on Twitter this week that they were really enjoying our study on Isaiah, but since the series is called Flip Flops, they wondered why we weren't studying the book of Philippians. I wrote back and told them that joke really flopped. So when it comes time, you can either flip to the book of Isaiah, or you can just flop your Bible open to it either way. Um, By the way, got to tell you, uh, the attendance in the giving has been awesome this summer. You're amazing. You're doing a great, 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 great job. You really are. Awesome. I hear so many stories of churches that, you know, just want to close up for the summer, and nobody goes to church in the summer. And You're here. Yeah, you're here. And uh, it's, it's just great to uh, have good summer services. Um, it's still July, by the way. Uh, it is still July. Got a few days left. Squeeze every day of July that we can get. And uh, so far this summer, we've had baptisms. We've had uh, several salvations so far this summer. Uh, we had a healing time after church for 45 minutes. We stayed and prayed with people after church last Sunday. Uh, we've had a barbecue. Uh, we've had special guests. We've had tons of fun with, with teenagers and with kids. Did you see the Christmas stuff out there this morning? Kids have been having fun every week. So lots going on in, in, uh, in God's church uh, this summer. We're only halfway through, right? This is, just, this is still July. We've got all of August uh, to go. So lots of great things happening. Uh, we've also noticed that we've had a ton of, of new guests, a ton of people um, just, just kind of, you know, checking out. Moncton Weston, we're super glad that you are here. Yeah, welcome anybody who's visiting. And just want to say that we would love to connect with you, to get to know you, uh, to answer any questions you might have, uh, to help you and your family get plugged into this place. Uh, We really would. We would love to get get to know you. Uh, Also to say that we have a lot of great stuff planned for the fall. Uh, it's going to be an exciting uh, fall season of, of ministry and stuff happening around here at Moncton Westlands. We're excited about that. And so we're hope, we hope that you and your families and uh, anybody that you know is just planning to, to be with us this fall. And uh, be with us. it's going to be, going to be a, great, a great ride. Uh, before I get into my message, I want, to, I want to take a couple of minutes here. And uh, first of all, I want to talk about the, the Leadership Summit. The Leadership Summit, Willow Creek uh, Church in Chicago does their leadership summit every August, and it's broadcast around the world. We are a host site for the summit, and, uh, and I want to say a couple of words about that. It is coming up August 14 and 15, two full days, Thursday and Friday. Uh, the summit, as I mentioned, is a two-day live video cast. It's a, it's a leadership, um, but it's not just for leaders. I mean, it, there's practical stuff in there for everyone. Uh, in the Leadership Summit, I can say has, has been the single most influential uh, leadership event in my life. Uh, I, I refuse to miss it every summer. And it, every, every year, it exceeds my expectations. Uh, it is a really a fantastic world-class event. 14 speakers over two days, um, and around 80,000 people will be watching it. So here's the deal. We get, as host site, we get to buy uh, a certain number of uh, discounted tickets. And we have 15 uh, full passes left. That's all day Thursday and all day Friday. 
We've got 15 of those less, and they are $109 for the two days. First come, first serve, after church, go to the Welcome Center and get on the list. And the first 15 at 109, there they go. Then I have, um, I've got these passes right here, which are almost free passes for the Thursday afternoon. To kind of tempt you to come check out the summit and see if you like it or not. Uh, these are almost free. When you go in, you, you get one of these. I have a hundred of them. You get one of these at the Welcome Center. You go home this afternoon, and you register with the access code that's on here, and they'll charge you a $7.50 processing fee. So it's, it's not free, but it's close. $7.50 just for Thursday afternoon. We have about a hundred of those. They're at the Welcome Center. Uh, so go out and get those after the service. Didn't, didn't quite make it. Um, so that's the summit. We've been flip-flopping through the, uh, the book of Isaiah and picking up on Isaiah's message of hope, salvation, and restoration. It's never too late. It's never too far. It's never too gone for God to redeem your situation and turn it around. Where is, where's Tasha Bailey? Tasha, are you in here? Wave at me, girl. There's Tasha. All right, all right. Do you mind standing? Because you're wearing an awesome t-shirt, her 180 t-shirt. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Good. Thank you, Tasha. Give her a hand. Tasha's, Tasha and Tia, really, both of them, Tasha and Tia. Tia's life is a testimony that God can do anything. This is Tia's new album. Tia is a, is a missionary of rap from Moncton Wesleyan Church. This is his new album. Look at the big guy holding his chin on the back, you know, like this. That's Tia's birthday today, and yeah, he's not here. I know. I was going to rap happy birthday to him, but he's not here. He's on the road doing ministry in southwestern Nova Scotia. And uh, everybody in this room needs, you need to support Tia and Tasha, everybody in this room needs to buy a copy of this album, You Turn. All right? Everyone. Okay? So Tasha said to me earlier before church, she said, I'm serving pizza this morning. I said, great. Take a stack of CDs with you, and I'm going to send everybody to pizza to buy these CDs. Uh, She's also going to put a stack of them at the Welcome Center. Tasha, how much are they? They're $10, but she'll take 20 Buy one for yourself, your grandkids, the neighbor kids that bike on your lawn. If you don't like rap, use it as a coaster, okay? Was I clear about that? Support them. All right, that's good stuff right there. That's good stuff. Okay, this week we're, we're going to kind of flop and then flip, all right? We're going to flop to Isaiah chapter 10. We're going to read a couple of heavy verses there, and then we're going to flip back to chapter 4 and get the good news uh, that this means for us. If you don't have a Bible, you can always stop at the Welcome Center in the lobby and ask for a Bible, and they'll give you a Bible. If we run out of Bibles, uh, they'll take your name. We'll order more. Okay? Uh, but let's, let's flop over to Isaiah chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 20 to 22. Here we go. In that day, the remnant left. left. Whoa, let me start that over again. Woo, still excited about Tia. In that day, the remnant left in Israel, the survivors in the house of Jacob, 
will no longer depend on allies who seek to destroy them. But they will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return. Yes, the remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. But though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand on the seashore, only a remnant of them will return. The Lord has rightly decided to destroy his people. Ooh, that's heavy. Uh, okay, now flip back to Isaiah chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 2 to 6. Isaiah chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. But in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of all who survive in Israel. That's, that's the remnant. All who remain in Zion will be a holy people. Those who survive the destruction of Jerusalem and are recorded among the living, the Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem of its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. And then the Lord will provide shade for, for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat in a hiding place from storms and rain. I'm reading this and I'm thinking of all that's been going on in, in Israel uh, the, last, the last few weeks, thinking this is probably not a good time to, uh, to pass around a sign-up sheet for who wants to go to Israel. And, and I see Chuck over here and I was talking to Bob earlier. We were in Israel just a few weeks ago, just a couple of months ago. We were, we were there and I said to Bob, you ready to go again? He said, not right now. But we will go again. We'll go again in a couple of years. And maybe as I'm reading this, you're trying to picture uh, this land that Isaiah is writing about. We'll, we'll go again. We'll go in a couple of years. So you start uh, saving your, your toonies in your, in your loonies. Okay, both of these texts, Isaiah chapter 10, and then we flip back to Isaiah chapter 4. Both of these texts begin with the phrase, in that day, but they're vastly different, different texts. It's the contrast in Isaiah's writing. You, by now, you know, this is week four in our series. You've been, you've been picking up on, on the contrast that, that he writes with that says, today might stink, but tomorrow's going to be better. You, you see this in Isaiah's writing where it's just this, don't give up. Come on, go one more day. And, and what you're in right now, it might be brutal, it might be awful, but, but tomorrow is coming. And he uses an interesting word in chapter 10. It's that word remnant. I tried to highlight it. I tried to pull it out for us. That word remnant that he uses in chapter 10. And it refers to those who will hang in there. Anybody going to hang in there? It refers to those who are going to hang in there. Those who will be left standing after the dust settles. The remnant are people who are going to trust in God no matter what this world throws at them. If they're the last person standing, they're going to declare their faith, their belief in God. And if you're paying attention to the news at all, I mean, you should be praying for, for Christian brothers and sisters uh, in Israel and in Iraq. Well, I mean, what's going on in, in Iraq has just been, has been horrendous. People who are faced uh, with the decision to either renounce their faith in Jesus and accept Islam or die by the sword. I mean, this is really, this is really happening. And Isaiah is talking about the remnant, the, the, those who have faith that goes through any fire and it emerges 
purified. It, it, it emerges through that fire, uh, being made stronger by what they've gone through. And we're not facing persecution for our faith in Canada yet. Right? We're not facing it yet. But the truth of this text still applies. When the, when the fire gets cranked up in my life, when I'm in the, when I'm in the pressure cooker, in fear and doubt and thoughts of, of just giving up are pressing in on me, that I won't run, I won't recant, I'll be part of the remnant. I'll be part of a remnant who will follow Jesus to the very, very end. So we're going to focus most of our time this morning back in Isaiah chapter 4. We're going to focus on, on the good news. In Isaiah chapter 4, as, you're, as, as I'm reading that, if you're reading it over again, you're looking at, at this text, verses 2 through 6. You have to, when you read Isaiah, you have to read this through two lenses because it's prophecy. Okay? The first lens, it sounds like it's a pretty specific word for the people of Israel who are going to survive a prolonged, uh, a prolonged season of turmoil. But, but, like the guy in the TV commercials says, that's not all. If you call in the next 20 seconds, we'll throw in another whack-a-widget for free. Okay? I don't know what a whack-a-widget is. I made that up. There's always this, this, this but. There, there, it's, it's not just what he's saying to those people right there. It's better than that. There's good news for us. And Isaiah, I mean, he's a, just a complex character. I don't know if you've ever met someone who you just had a really hard time figuring them out. One day they're up, one day they're, 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 they're just all over the place. And you read Isaiah and it's like, you know, he, he's a really complex guy, hard to understand. One day he's, he's writing a stinging, you know, pointed word of judgment. And the next day he's writing beautiful uh, words of poetic hope and restoration. But notice the key words of chapter 4 that, that we, we read there in those verses. He uses words like beautiful, glorious, holy, wash, cleanse, shade, a canopy, a shelter, a hiding place. And this is a picture of what God wants to do in our lives. Let me read those again. Okay? Beautiful, glorious, holy, to wash, cleanse, shade, a canopy, a shelter, a hiding place. It's a picture of what God wants to do in our lives. And I want to draw out one word this morning from Isaiah chapter 4. One word that, that, that I believe kind of, kind of sums up what he's saying in a, in a word for us to consider this morning. And it's the word holy. The word holy from uh, Isaiah chapter 4 verse 3 where he says, All who remain in Zion will be a holy people. See, God wants to take your life and, it, and its messes, and its mishaps, and its stains, and God wants to, to wash it. He wants to cleanse it. He wants to make it something beautiful, something glorious. The contrast here when I'm, when I'm reading this is like watching a Tide commercial. It's like watching a Tide commercial. Get the kid as dirty as you possibly can, right? Let them play football in the rain. Dress a seven-year-old boy in white clothing from head to toe. Who does that anyhow? Who puts a white shirt on a seven-year-old boy? Only a Tide commercial, right? 
and tell them to go have fun. And the kids come in at the end of the day and they're filthy and the dog is filthy and the house is perfect and the mom is perfect and the laundry area is perfect and the perfect mom takes the dirty clothing off of the precious little darlings and she adds a little of whatever and voila, just like that, all the stains are gone. And Isaiah's writing, the contrast here kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Uh, only, it's, it's better. It's way better than that. Isaiah's clear about the people that he's writing to. And really, again, you've got to read it through two lenses, talking about people today being dirty, really dirty, like living in filth for generations. And, and he doesn't make light of their sins or their rebellion. He's pretty harsh. And in fact, he pretty much says, if, if God wasn't a good and gracious God, he would, he would wipe us out. He would just whoosh, we'd be gone. He would just, he'd, that's it, I'm done. That's enough of you people. And he would wipe us out. But God's intention for us, God's intention for you this morning, is never that we would, we would stay where we are. It's, you know, Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could have marginal improvement in your life. Or that you could just, you know, be stuck, be spiritually stuck for the rest of your lives. God's plan is to power wash your soul and clean your life, rid your life of anything that is harmful to you and unholy to him. And some of you, you're just, you're just, you're waiting for the spin cycle to be over. You know, the agitator in your life. You're like, oh, you know, when, when is God going to be done washing me? He's getting stuff out. You're like, you know, it'd be good to be, be out of this season, you know, because uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty hard to stay in the, in the, in the spin cycle all the time. And, and God's getting, uh, you know, getting the, the stuff out of you that he wants to rid your life of. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Whatever God is doing to you or in you or through you is to make you more like Jesus. That's good news. Okay? So if you've been, you've been fighting against that and resisting that, saying, well, why is my life like this? And why am I stuck in this season? And why is this happening? And look at them. They don't have any, they don't have any problems at all. <laughs> you ever do that? Everybody's got problems, but we look at people sometimes and think, their life's perfect, you know? Why, why, am I going, why am I going through this? Whatever God is doing to you, or in you, or through you, it's to make you more like Jesus. If you are a Jesus follower, if you're a believer, then you have the Holy Spirit of the living God living inside of you. The Holy Spirit is an active ingredient, right? This is right. Bobblehead church. The Holy Spirit is an active ingredient. He, he's working. He's working right now. He's working in your life to make you more and more like Jesus. So when you cross that line of faith, and for some people that might be a little later on this morning, when you cross that line of faith and you accept Jesus Christ into your life as Lord of your life, 
Uh, that's, that's exactly what God's going to do. He's going to come into your life. He moves in. He takes up residence. And you give him, or you should give him, full authority to make whatever changes he needs to make in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ. From the day you accept Jesus until the day that you meet Jesus, you should become, be becoming more like Jesus every day. Let me back that up. Back that up. Okay. From the day that you meet Jesus, and that might be today for some people, from the day that you accept Jesus until the day that you meet him face to face, that journey right there is becoming more and more like Jesus until God takes you, takes you home, takes you out of, this, out of this world. Following Jesus isn't a decision that you make. It's a lifestyle that you choose. Jesus is not a checkbox. Jesus is not even on our connect cards where it says, today I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Whatever, there's something like that on your connect card. That, that's an indicator for us so we can follow up and encourage you and help you start this, this life, the rest of your life of pursuing Jesus. It doesn't mean, well, there, I'm good to go. I got my ticket and, uh, you know, that's, that's all I need to do. No, 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 no. Following Jesus is not just a decision that you make. Following Jesus is a lifestyle that you choose. You're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue Christ. I'm going to live for Christ uh, for the rest of my life. Now, <clears throat> I'm going, I mentioned that word holy or holiness earlier that we want, to, we want to focus on from Isaiah 4, verse 3. And I'm going to give you the easiest definition of holiness you've ever heard in your whole entire life. And I've been to Bible college, and I've, got, I've, I've taken multiple courses on this. I even teach this stuff for Wesley Seminary. And, uh, but I'm going to give you the easiest, easiest definition of holiness that you've, that you've ever heard. I'm going to save you a lot of money because now you don't need to go to seminary. I'm going to save you, okay? Here it is. It's an equation, too. Put it in, in an equation. Less of me plus more of Jesus equals holiness. There it is. That's easy. Less of me plus more of Jesus, equals holiness. You live that way. You, you pray a prayer, something like that, each and every day, and you will become more like Jesus Christ all, every day, all the time. You'll just, you'll, that will happen in your life. Okay, speaking about the Holy Spirit moving in to our lives, uh, we, we are moving into a different home this week. I'm looking at Gayla, shaking my head. This is move number 744 or something like that. You'd think we'd get smart, but anyhow. Um, and we're loading up Tuesday night, moving in Wednesday afternoon. And yes, come and talk to me if your idea of a good time is walking off a truck with a fridge on your back. <clears throat> I was thinking about this. I was writing this. You know, pastoring, pastoring this big church should have, should have a couple of perks, don't you think? Don't you think? If every one of you took one box, <laughs> just one, and it's just well, it's almost across the street. We could just have like a like a line, like ants. <laughs> just one box, we'd be done. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. Moving is from the pit. Anybody agree with that? Moving is from the pit. And then I hope that the next time that I move, I'm the one who's in the box. (laughs) 
Mercy. When you move into a new place, there are always things that, that you do to make it yours, right? This is, this is normal. This, everybody, everybody does this, okay? You paint, you change some stuff and all that. Wouldn't it be weird if somebody sold you their house and, and said, um, but you cannot change a thing? Wouldn't that be weird? If they said, we will sell you our house, but you are not allowed to change anything. Don't move that picture. Don't paint that wall. Um, and even the, the cat has to stay and take care of them. Can you imagine? That's weird. It's weird to invite Jesus into your life, give him the keys, but tell him he's not allowed to change anything. Or tell him there are certain areas of my life that are just off limits. Habits that you wear like an old sweater that you just can't part with. Hurts that you've buried so deep you just, you just, you don't want to deal with them. Stuff that you're involved in that you know is not pleasing to God. And so, I mean, what's that look like? The invitation might be, Jesus, come in and get cozy, but don't turn my life upside down. Jesus, let's just have a, a relationship of convenience. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't want this to, to be too much. Look at verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 4. The Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem of its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. God wants to come into your life like a flood. Like a flood. He wants to overwhelm the filth and the junk and the hurt and the pain of our lives. And Isaiah knew that a time was coming when God would send his son, Jesus Christ, to, to offer up his life as the ultimate sacrifice so that people like us could invite his cleansing power into our lives. And the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ would wash over us and restore us and cleanse us to our very depths and make us righteous in the sight of God. Back to verse 3. See, we're flipping and flopping. You getting that? Back to, let's flip back to verse 3. All who remain in Zion will be a holy people. But those who survived the destruction of Jerusalem and are recorded among the living. That, that, that phrase, all who survived the destruction. Holiness will always be some strange, fuzzy, out there concept to you until you decide to die to self. Until there's a destruction of your old person, your old nature. Until, until that happens, until God ruins you, this, this idea of holiness, you'll hear these sermons and, you, and it'll just be out there. It'll be something that you think are for, is for the 
the hyper-spiritual people. Or you're something you think is for more mature Christians. Or maybe after I've been in church for 30 years or whatever, maybe I'll get it. It'll always be fuzzy to you. Less of me plus more of Jesus equals holiness. And as long as I'm building my life and doing life my way, and my life is filled with, with pride and power, and God is secondary to my ambitions and my desires, as long as I'm in first place of my life, God cannot, he, he just can't do all that he wants to do in my life. He, he just can't make me all that he wants me to be. He just can't, can't fill me the way that he really wants to, to fill me. It's okay to have ambition and drive and desires and goals and dreams, but God has to be first. God has to be first in your life, okay? You, you can't have any other gods before him, including yourself. No other gods before him, including yourself. The only way this relationship works is if you give him full control to every area of your life and you live for him. You simply say, Lord, here I am. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to fight this anymore. Uh, I'm done hiding. And uh, I'm done, you know, keeping areas of my life uh, behind closed doors. And uh, God, you can, you can do anything you want to do. You can go anywhere you want to go. And whatever, whatever you want to surface in my life, I'll, I'll surrender that to you. Verses 5 and 6, where he talks about shade and a canopy, canopy of cloud during the day, smoke and flaming fire at night. Uh, Isaiah is using some words here that kind of describe the benefits of, of holy living. And he says that, you know, when someone comes out of the, the destruction, when someone invites God to, 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 uh, to ruin them from, from, from the old nature and they, they're fully, totally gods, when someone survives that and they're a follower, they're a 100% sold out, they're part of the remnant, uh, when they're, they're a 100% his, Isaiah says that God's presence will, will be like shade coming off of Mount Zion. Life might get hot, but it won't be more than you can bear because God will be with you. Um, for those of you, just a quick little intermission here. For those of you who, who think that the summer's been hot and muggy, um, could, let, just let me, let me remind you of something. Can we throw that picture up? Okay, that's coming. So no complaining about the heat, okay? No complaining about the heat. That's coming. All right. Isaiah is saying God's presence will go with you. Uh, God will, will be over you like, like a cloud during the day. He won't allow uh, life to get too hot or more than you can bear. In the Old Testament, before the arrival of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, God's presence often went uh, before people like a cloud, and they could follow God. It was, God's presence was kind of like a cloud, and that's how they knew that God... Was, was with them, and they, they followed God to safety. And then God would lead them by a, a supernatural fire at night. The sun would go down, and they would see this, this, this fire. I love the, the whole special effects thing that in, in Scripture when God does that. And they would follow this, this fire, but by night. 
And Isaiah wrote this to remind them of the ways that God has always been with them. God goes to incredible lengths sometimes to show us his glory, to show us, to remind us that he's with us, to lead us away from temptation, to lead us away from from danger. God is, is saying that if you keep your eyes on me, if you really want to live a holy life, Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. If you will keep your eyes, if you will look for all the ways that that God makes his presence known in your lives, if you will resist the temptation, resist the temptation to go your own way and do your own thing, God says, I will be with you. I will protect you. I will watch over you. I will go before you. I will do things in your life that are so obvious that you'll know that I'm with you. You'll be able to follow me. You won't get lost. You won't wander away. You will keep your eyes fixed on me and who I am and what I want to do in your lives. I will go before you and shelter you from the storms. And it doesn't mean that you won't encounter storms. It doesn't mean that you won't encounter storms. It means that God won't let the storms to overtake you. Holiness does not guarantee a lack of problems. Holiness guarantees an abundance of God's presence. Okay? Holiness does not guarantee a lack of problems. Holiness guarantees an abundance of God's presence. So what is holiness? What is holy living? I've given you the equation uh, a couple of times. Less of me plus more of Jesus equals holiness. You cannot live a holy life on your own strength. You have to come to a point where, where you are ready. God bless you. You have to come to a point where you are prepared. You are ready to die to self. You totally and completely surrender to the Holy Spirit. And from that day forward, you live to serve God. You live to, to please God with your life. And that doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. You, you, you will mess up. There'll be times when you'll stumble, you'll trip. You're like, oh, okay, that's all right. Get back on track, pick, you know, and get going. Again, doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. But everything within you, everything within you from that day forward is sold out for the glory of God, okay? Now, the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul was a U-turn like Tia. They had a lot in common. Just whoop, just, just com- lives completely turned around for Jesus Christ, okay? And Paul was deep in sin. He was far from God. He had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. He completely turned around to follow Jesus. And then he wrote some pretty real stuff about his struggle with sin and battling the old nature. Let me share some of what the Apostle Paul wrote about dying to self. Okay, hear these words. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. You've got to come to that point, that point of destruction. My old self was crucified, has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 3 Beginning in verse 1. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about, excuse me, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. 
For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now, now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. And you've put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator. (laughs) As you just learn to know on a daily basis your creator. And you become like him. Romans chapter 7, verse 5. This is all Paul. When we were controlled by our old sinful nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these sinful desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now, but now we have been released from the law for we died to it and we're no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 14. But you... If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a believer, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, they don't belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters of Moncton Wesleyan Church, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God, our children of God. Isn't God's word powerful? Uh, U-turn Paul in his writing about dying to self. We need to respond to God's word today. We need to respond to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to to many, many people right now and he's drawing you closer. And uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you saying, let's go there. Let's do this. Today's the day. Why would you fight that any longer? Why would you run from that any longer? Why would you bury that stuff any longer? Why would you resist dying to self 
and, and being totally filled by the Holy Spirit any longer. There's three uh, specific th- uh, ways that we need to respond here this morning. The first one is for people who need to take the first step and choose to follow Jesus with the rest of their lives. And I said earlier that following Jesus is not a decision that you make. It's a lifestyle that you choose. Uh, last Sunday here at Bunton Wesleyan, uh, we led the congregation in a prayer like this. There were three people who shot their arms up in the air and said, Today is the day that I've decided to follow Jesus. I'll follow him with the rest of my life. And so if you've, never, if you've not yet made that decision uh, to invite Jesus Christ into your life, to say, I, I believe you are God's son, and I will live for you and I will serve you with the rest of my life. We're going to pray right now. And if that's, the, if that's where you're at, uh, then you pray this prayer with me. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, for those who are here this morning who, to this point, have never taken that step of inviting you into their life, and they're ready, and today's their day to become a follower of you, I pray that you would, you would come into their lives as they pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe you are God's son. I believe you came to this earth born of a virgin and died on a cross for my sin. I believe that you're here right now, that you're, you've been resurrected. Your presence is here right now. And Jesus, I want to invite you to come into my life right now in this moment. And I give you every area of my life. And I will die to self. And I will give you full control of my life for the rest of my life. I understand this is not just a decision in this one moment, but this is saying that I will, I will live for you, I will serve you, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of every wrong that I've ever done. Thank you for extending your, your offer of grace to me this morning that I gladly accept. And, and thank you that I can start following you, become your child today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, and you'd be so bold as to stick your hand up in the air, the congregation would love to celebrate with you and, and applaud your decision to follow Jesus. Are there any here this morning? Just stick your hand up nice and high so we can see you celebrate. Where is it? Help me out. Down the back. Where is it? All right, right down here. Al. Someone right down here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Any others? Doug's coming. Right down front here, Doug. Right in there. You're you're close. Put your hand back up. He's going to give you something. Right there. There you go. Okay, any other hands this morning on that one? Isn't that awesome? Okay, second response this morning is for people who need to die to self. You recognize things in your life that you haven't surrendered to Jesus, things that you've kept from God, or things that you've allowed to become habits in your life that you know are not pleasing to God. And the things that are holding you back spiritually, and you need to surrender those things to the Lord this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning with... The stuff in our lives that we know God is, is wrong. It's sin. Let's call it sin. The stuff in our lives that we know keep us from you and hold us back. The stuff that, that weighs us down spiritually. The stuff that's not pleasing to you. And Lord, we, we, we invite 
the cleansing power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ to power wash every area of our lives right now. We don't hold anything back. And, And we just ask God for your forgiveness. We thank you for your mercy. We ask for grace this morning that you would forgive these things. And God, we not only ask for forgiveness, but we ask for strength. That you would lead us not into temptation. That you would deliver us from evil. That you would help us to to, to live lives that honor you. And God, when we do fall, when we do trip up, that we would be quick, that we would be quick to, to turn those things over and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me of that? Help us not to take advantage of your grace, but help us to live and walk in your grace as your children. So thank you, God, for, for removing those things from our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there's one more. Third response is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe maybe you've just never been given an opportunity. Maybe no one has ever said, would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Would you like to live a Spirit-filled life? Would you like to know what it is to walk in in holiness with your God? Not not perfection. You're not going to be perfect until you... So God takes you out of here. But living in the direction of the cross, fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been trying to follow Jesus on your own. And it's just this constant struggle. You're still fighting with your old self. And you've never really won that battle. You've not killed that old, that old nature, that, that old person. Maybe you've been thinking, there's got to be more. And no one's given you the opportunity to pray this prayer. And, and I'm going to do something bold here this morning. I just, I just feel like I need to do this. And uh, if you don't like it, um, well, pray about it. And if you would like to pray a prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, would you just simply stand to your feet? And it would be my pleasure to pray with you. took us to a whole new place. We're on holy ground. And I know heaven doesn't take this lightly. And I know the enemy doesn't take this lightly. And I know, God, that what is happening right here in this room right now is very real. And we will never be the same church will never be the same and may the people around us never be the same may our city never be the same this is a declaration Uh, this is a stake in the ground saying we will never go back and Lord you see each individual that stands in your presence this morning And the cry of their heart is that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fall into every heart, into every life.
in this room right now. Would you flood into the deepest places of their lives? Would you cause, by your light, would you cause every ounce of darkness in them to flee? Would you set them free from anything that's, that's, that's been holding them back, anything that's been there for, for maybe their entire lives, whatever it is, Lord? Would you wash it out? Would you cleanse it? Would you power wash it? Lord, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit in, in, in such a way that, that from this day forward, they would give their lives to follow you and to serve you and to honor you in every way that they can. Lord, would you help these people to just live in the direction of the cross? Oh God, I thank you for what you're doing here this morning. I thank you, Lord, because your promises are true and your word is true. I thank you, God, that, that if we ask in your name that you hear us, that you answer, that you will come. And so, Lord, I, I totally believe in what you're doing right now in people's lives. We look forward to seeing the fruit of the Spirit in people's lives as we leave here this morning and go back out into this world that so desperately needs to know you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming, for coming, for coming into these lives, these hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray together.